millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, you guys. It's Misty. This is Lattes and Legends. Good morning. Happy hmm, Saturday, I believe. This is episode two of season two. And as promised, I am talking more about places, people, things, disappearances, that kind of thing, to kind of not be so depressed and negative during this time. I hope that everyone is safe and healthy and, yeah, enjoying your time the way you can. Happy quarantine! Uh, yeah. So, just going to dive into things. Check out the podcast on Facebook. It's Lattes and Legends Podcast. Twitter also. Guys, this is my chance to catch up on Instagram. So, I will be doing a lot of that probably tomorrow. I don't know. Whenever I fit it in. Also, I still have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lattes and legends. And coffee mugs and stickers are still available on the website, lattes and legends podcast.com. So, yeah, I am having a delicious vanilla latte this morning from my favorite bakery that luckily is still open. So, props to bread for being open during this time. And thanks for being safe and secure with your practices. Um, Here's nothing, guys. I'm going to talk about Flight 19 and the Bermuda Triangle. My sources for this episode, of course, are Wikipedia, um, nationalgeographic.com, history.com, and all that's interesting.com. There's a Flight 19 article on all that's interesting.com is really really good i couldn't tell you the author right now because i don't have it pulled up but you should check it out that website is 
Amazing. So let's talk first about the Bermuda Triangle. Ever since growing up, I can remember my sister and I were kind of obsessed with the Bermuda Triangle. Um, not obsessed, but very interested in it. So I'm going to touch on that really quick for those that don't know anything about the Bermuda Triangle. It is a mythical section of the Atlantic Ocean, roughly near Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico, where dozens of ships and airplanes have just disappeared. Unexplained circumstances surround some of these accidents, including one in which a, the pilots of a squadron U.S. Navy bomber became disoriented while flying over the area and the planes were never found. We're going to touch on that. Other boats and planes have seemingly vanished from the area, even in good weather, without even radioing for distress because they thought everything was fine. Um, there's a lot of theories about the Bermuda Triangle, and none of them prove anything about these mysterious disappearances that occur very frequently in this well-traveled section of the ocean. People navigate that area every day without incident, so what happens to the ones that don't come out. There is a legend of the Bermuda Triangle. The area referred to, referred to as the Bermuda Triangle or the Devil's Triangle covers about 500,000 square miles of ocean off the southern tip of Florida. When Christopher Columbus sailed through the area on his first voyage to the New World, he reported that a great flame of fire crashed into the sea one night and that a strange light appeared in the distance a few weeks later. He also wrote about erratic compass readings, perhaps because at the time a sliver of the Bermuda Triangle was one of the few places on Earth. Oh, I lost my place. Sorry, guys. Um, and, sorry. Here we go. Sorry, guys. Uh, 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 one of the few places of Earth where true north and magnetic north actually lined up. Hmm. William Shakespeare's play The Tempest, which some scholars say was based on real-life Bermuda shipwrecks, may have enhanced the area's aura of mystery. Nonetheless, reports of unexplained disappearances did really capture, didn't really capture the public's attention until about the 20th century. An especially famous tragedy occurred in March 1918 when the USS Cyclops sank somewhere between Barbados and the Chesapeake Bay. The Cyclops never sent out an SOS distress signal despite being equipped to do so. Um, Woodrow Wilson said later, only God in the sea know what happened to this great ship. Hmm. Uh, uh, a pattern allegedly began forming in which vessels traveling the Bermuda Triangle would either disappear or found or be found abandoned. Um, in 1945, some Navy bombers were doing a training run in this area. And I'm not going to dive into that yet because that is what I'm going to talk about. Do, do, do. So that is kind of just a quick rundown of the Bermuda Triangle. And now I will talk about Flight 19. All right, here we go. It began as nothing more than a routine training flight. At 
10 p.m. on December 5, 1945, five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers took off from a naval station in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The planes that were collectively known as Flight 19 were scheduled to tackle a three-hour exercise known as Navigation Problem Number 1. Their triangular flight planned uh, for them to head east from Florida coast and conduct the bombing runs at a place called Hens and Chickens Shoals. They would then turn north and proceed over Grand Bahama Island before changing course a third time and flying southwest back to their base. Save for one plane that carried two men, each of the Avengers was crewed by three Navy men or Marines, most of whom had logged around 300 hours in the air. The flight's leader was Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, who was an experienced pilot and veteran of several combat missions in World War II. At first, Flight 19's hop proceeded just as smoothly as the previous 18 that day. Taylor and his pilots buzzed over hens and chick shoals around 2.30 p.m. and dropped their practice bombs without any incidents. But shortly after the patrol turned north for the second leg of its journey, something very strange began to happen. For the reasons that are still unclear, Taylor became convinced that his Avengers compass was malfunctioning and that his planes had been flying in the wrong direction. The troubles only mounted after a front blew in and brought rain, gusting winds, and really heavy cloud cover. Flight 19 became very disoriented. Pilots over the radio said, I don't know where we are. We must have gotten lost on that last turn. Hmm. Um, so, Lieutenant Robert F. Cox was another Navy flight instructor who, instructor who was flying near the coast of Florida. He heard the radio communications. He immediately informed the air station of the situation and then contacted the Avengers to ask if they needed assistance. Taylor said to him over the radio, both my compasses are out and I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm over land, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the Keys, but I don't know how far down we are. Ooh, yikes. Taylor's claim didn't seem to make any sense to anyone that was hearing the radio communications. He'd made a scheduled pass over hens and chicken shoals in the Bahamas less than an hour earlier, but now he believed his planes had somehow drifted hundreds of miles off their course and they were in the Florida Keys. The 27-year-old had just transferred to Fort Lauderdale from Miami, and many people say that he didn't know exactly where he was distance-wise from the Bahamas. Under normal circumstances, pilots lost in the Atlantic were supposed to point their planes towards the setting sun and fly west towards the mainland, but Taylor had become convinced that he might be over the Gulf of Mexico. Hoping to find the Florida Peninsula, he made a fateful decision to steer northeast. This would then take them further out to sea. Um, so some of his pilots seemed to have recognized that he made the mistake and then 
people listening on the radio actually heard someone say, damn it, if we would have just flown west, we would get home. Taylor was eventually persuaded to turn around and then head west, and this was after 6 p.m. Ooh, keep in mind this started at 2.10 p.m. So Taylor seemed to have canceled the order and once again changed direction. He said, we didn't go far enough east. We may as well just turn around and go east again. His pilots probably argued over this, and there's some investigators that even believe that one plane broke off and flew in a different direction. Flight 19's radio transmissions soon became increasingly faint as it meandered out to sea. When the fuel began to run low, Taylor was heard prepping his men for a crash landing in the ocean. All planes, close up tight, will have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we all go down together. That's what they heard on the radio as the last communication from Flight 19. The Navy immediately scrambled search plans to go on a hunt for the missing patrol. Around 7.30 p.m., a pair of PBM Mariner flying boats took off from an air station north of Fort Lauderdale. 20 minutes later, one of them seemed to follow Flight 19's lead by suddenly vanishing completely off the radar. Yikes. The remains of the Mariner and its 13 crewmen were never recovered, but it's commonly believed that the seaplane exploded shortly after takeoff. Flying boats were notoriously accident-prone and were even nicknamed flying gas tanks. Hmm. Suspicions that the seaplane may have gone up in flames were all but confirmed by a passing merchant ship, which spotted a fireball and found evidence of an oil slick in the ocean. At first light the next day, the Navy dispatched more than 300 boats and an aircraft to look for Flight 19 and the missing Mariner. The search party spent five days combing through more than 300,000 square miles of territory to no avail. They just vanished. Navy Lieutenant David White later recalled, We had hundreds of planes out looking, and we searched all over the land and water for days, and no one ever found the bodies or any type of debris. Um, The Navy Board of Investigation was also left scratching its head. While it argued that Taylor might have confused the Bahamas for the Florida Keys after his compasses malfunctioned, it could find no clear evidence for why Flight 19 was so disoriented. Its members eventually attributed the loss to causes or reasons unknown. The strange events of December 5th, 1945 have since become wild theories and speculations. In the 60s and 70s, pulp magazines and writers popularized the idea that Flight 19 had been gobbled up by the Bermuda Triangle. Other books have been written about alien abductions in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, in 1977, Close Encounters of the First of the Third Kind depicted Flight 19 as being whisked away by flying saucers and then thrown into the deserts of Mexico. Hmm. Even if this lost patrol didn't fall victim to the supernatural, there's no denying that its disappearance was accompanied by many oddities and unanswered questions. 
Perhaps the strangest of all concerns Lieutenant Taylor. Witnesses later claimed that he arrived to Flight 19's pre-exercise briefing several minutes late and requested to be excused from leading the mission. He said, I just don't want to take this one. He just didn't feel right about it. Um, So many people think that he knew something was going to happen. So that's why he didn't want to do it. He wanted somehow to get out of it. Others say he wasn't fit for duty. Lots and lots of unexplained things happened. Also unexplained is why none of the members of Flight 19 made use of their rescue radio frequency or their plane's ZBX receivers, which could have helped lead them toward the Navy radio towers on the land. The pilots were told to switch their devices on, but they either didn't hear the message or they just didn't acknowledge this message. Huh. So what do you guys think happened to Flight 19? Most likely scenario is that the planes eventually ran out of gas and ditched in the ocean somewhere off the coast of Florida, um, leaving the survivors at mercy of the seas and deep water. In 1991, there was a group of treasure hunters that had seemed to finally solve this puzzle. They stumbled upon the watery graves of five World War II era adventures near Fort Lauderdale. Unfortunately, it was later found that these belonged to a different group of Navy planes and they did not match Flight 19. Many believe the wrecks of Flight 19 and its doomed rescue plane may still lurk somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle. But while the search continues to this day, there are no signs still of the 27 crewmen or the planes. Lieutenant Robert Cox um, was the first to overhear the, the radio communications. He immediately informed the air station of the situation. And that's when um, Taylor told him the compasses were scrambled. So, yeah, this is the story of Flight 19. And, yeah, what do you guys think? It's crazy to think the Bermuda Triangle just sucks people and items in. But those are the legends of it. I know this is short and sweet, but I want you guys to go sit on your porch, enjoy the sunshine, have a coffee. I might have another one. And happy quarantine. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.